And it came to pass in the 16th chapter, 16th verse of Acts of the Apostles, and they went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her master much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes, and commanded them to be beat, beaten. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stock. And at midnight Paul and Silas had prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and every one's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew his sword and would have killed himself supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he sat meet before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant, saying, Let the men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul. 
The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. And Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privately? No, verily. But let them call themselves, or come themselves, and take us. And the sergeant told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them, and brought them out, and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison, and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. What would you have done? How would you have thought? You had been persecuted, having been beaten 39 stripes except one, probably bleeding. Those straps that they used had metal on the end of them. And yet we find these two men in prison singing and praising God. And it had such an impact upon that person that was listening, that jailer, that when the earthquake came, and he supposing that they had gotten away, he wanted to take his life, and Paul had informed him not to, that they were all there. He then asked the question, what must I do to be saved? He no doubt had learned from their hymns and their praise and their adoration to God, that there was something about being saved that was different and special, or else he wouldn't have asked, what must I do to be saved? He knew they were separate. He knew they were holy. He knew they were set apart. He knew they were special, and he wanted to know what to do. They have their message coming to him in singing praises unto God. And you know today, we need to understand that the joy that we manifest to the world is a great message. Instead of having a frown, a sad look, or being depressed, a Christian is one who puts his faith and trust in God and in Christ. He's the one who has an influence on those who are round about him, just like Paul and Silas did. And we need to understand that it's wonderful to be a Christian, and it's wonderful even under persecution and rejection, and even if we wanted to feel depressed and, and rejected, that we, with our faith and trust in God, is able to have joy and able to pray and able to sing praises. This is the cry of the world, though, tonight, is what must I do to be saved? It should be. It should be because of our life, our trust, and our trust in God each hour of the day. It seems that the demons of hell have been let loose in the world. 
fire of passion, the fire of hate, the fire of greed, the fire of lust. All these fires are sweeping over the world, and we seem to be plunging madly toward the time when God may call us an end to this. He said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So we need to understand that in this day of passion, that this is the day of the tormented generation. This is the generation destined to live in the midst of crisis, fear, and death. We're like a people under the sentence of death waiting for the date to be set, and God is coming back. But we who are in Christ and who are alive and are saved, we have asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And we've answered it. And we are saved. And we are believing. We are believing. And if we're not believing, then we're lost. The answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And it's still true today. We sense that something is about to happen. We know that things cannot go as they are on forever in wickedness. Without those of us who have Christ within us, given to the world the light, the world wouldn't be worthy of even being habitated and lived in. History seems to have reached an impasse. We are now in a collision course. We are now in an evil time. Something is about to give, and all of mankind is crying like the Philippian jailer what must I do to be saved? And they're seeking religion. They're seeking an answer. Now is the time for us to give the answer, and the correct answer, and to give our lives, given that answer, as much as is within us. The international situation needs saving. It is getting more serious with every passing hour. Time is not our friend. World leaders are desperately searching for a means of saving the human race from total destruction. It could happen any time if some ignoramus, the person without the knowledge that they have. Of course, God is in control. We must have salvation from the growth of population. The world faces a gigantic biological problem with population increasing at such a fantastic rate, we, can, we can't even imagine how that it will, human nature being what it is, what uh, a frightening prospects of crime and greed and lust and hate and demonology and demons possessing people, getting loose in the world, getting worse and worse as the days go by. We need salvation in America for the lawlessness. The Bible teaches that sin is a transgression of the law, but the word transgression could be translated lawlessness. People don't want to listen to the law. They don't want the law. They try to do away with the law. They ignore the law. 
There is an organized attempt in America to this hour to downgrade the policemen, to downgrade all law enforcement officers. This lawlessness is now uh, taking the form of rebellion against authority and is transferring itself to every organization and every business. There is a breakdown of law. The American people are almost needing salvation from racial tension. And you know we've gone through that and we still go through it. There is an increase. Instead of getting better in some parts of the country, it even gets worse. But we have enacted the strongest civil rights laws in history. You know that. No nation in world history has made an attempt to solve the racial problem as has America. Yet laws and legislation are not enough. We must have a moral and a spiritual awakening that changes the human heart. Hate, resentment, prejudice comes from within. It comes from within, and it cannot be legislated out of, of man. You can't make man do things. He has to do it as he understands the benefit thereof. We're caught up in a great racial revolution. We need to be saved psychologically. We as a nation have the psychological jitters. Home problems, business problems, Health problems, family problems are pressing on every hand. We want to scream at life. We want to escape from life. We cry out, what must I do to be saved? We may not realize we're saying that, but in a disturbed situation, we are. Escapism is an unconscious mechanism to escape reality. It is a mode of behavior adopted to evade unpleasant, unpleasant facts and realities of life that we face every day. But it never really works. One of our psychological problems today is group thinking. We tend to act and talk like those around us. And one of our most deep-seated fears is that we might be called an outsider. This fear has led down the road to conformity. To conformity. Has put the imprint of the organizational man on our souls and robbed us of original thinking on the part of our individuality. And the construction has taken place. It has invaded not only our secular life, but our religious life as well. And for the vast majority of American Christians, going to church is the nice, proper thing to do on Sunday, and usually just Sunday morning. It advertises their respectability. It gives them a warm feeling that they are behaving in a way that God-fearing ancestors would approve. 
and it adds a few cubits to their social stature by throwing them in a social group with whom they wish to be identified. The group thinking pressure affects her voting at the polls, the brands of food we eat. We buy at the grocery, and it influences the make of cars that we drive. It influences the brand of gasoline we use in our automobiles, as well as the patterns of religious worship and thinking that we adopt. Even from this group think, we need to be saved. We are in danger of becoming a robot civilization, manipulated by the mass media, pressurized by conformity, and pushed by the political maneuverings that take place. We have developed a department of store mind when we shop for name brands of faith, name brands of politics, name brands for the way of life that we adopt, we are collectivizing this mentality of America, of the world. Did you know that in the well, the last election, you could fly some of the things that I just talked about? That's one of the difficulties of our edu educational system. The student is losing his individuality, his personal identity. And the student has become maybe an IBM card. Maybe he is a statistic. We need to be careful. The whole world is getting ready to be saved. They're ready for it. They need the Christ. They need him in their hearts and lives. And when this great preacher, Paul, responded to this jailer, when he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he meant to put him first, to put him foremost, to put his presence in him. He was baptized after teaching for the very prayer very purpose of being putting on Christ. That's a lot of other Paul's other teachings in Galatians 3, 26, 27. In Romans 6, he describes how that when a man is baptized, he puts on Christ. And when the force of this message that he said, believe on the Lord and thou shalt be saved, it included the whole of a person when he puts on Christ to keep believing in Jesus. You know, we can learn a great lesson from Gideon. He had a struggle. He had the same struggle we're having today. He had a lot of people on his team. He was wrestling whether he could believe God or not. He said, God, just let the face be dry and around it be wet, and I'll believe. And then when that happened, he said, God, just let the, the face be wet and around it be dry, and it was. And he said, I believe. He was struggling with believing. Then he said, get in, let me tell you, 
We've got too many men. I'm the ruler. I'm the one in charge. You believe in me. Now you send all those men home, except just 10,000. 32,000 he sent home. Because he said, if, if you have that many and you overcome the enemy, you're going to say, you did it because on your own. When he got down to 10,000, he said, you still have too many. So you know what he did? He took them down to the river. And the ones who, who got the water this way and kept their eye on the enemy, he got 300 out of that 10,000 and sent the rest of them home. Out of 300 people, he surrounded the enemy and God took the battle. When Paul and Silas are in a foreign country, they're on the second journey, he's thrown in jail, he's beaten. He's still, he's still praising God. He's believing. He knows he's still in control. That's what we each need today. Put Christ in the forefront, in our life, in our prayer, in our devotion, in our study, in our sharing him with others. And he's going to take care of us. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is a, is a great message. And it means continuing to believe. Continuing to believe. Continuing to obey. Today, when we share the message with Christ, of Christ with others, it's because we believe. When you become depressed, when the problem is overwhelming, just to understand, you're going to live through eternity where there will be no counting of time and where there will be no limitation of our knowledge. There will be no limitation of our understanding what's happening in God's great universe because we're heirs to the throne and we're heirs to everything God has. Now this life takes on a different look when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's king that he's our Savior, he's our Lord. Now it isn't difficult to know if you look at the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, Peter told 3,000 people who believed that they'd killed Jesus, but that he was still alive. They believed it. They said, what should we do? And he said, just change your way of life, repent, and be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit and the promises are to you and to your children and as many as the Lord our God shall call it applies to us today. That's the same sermon he preached to this Philippian jailer. And he was a Gentile. Today, there may be someone here who needs Jesus Christ. What shall you do to be saved? Just acknowledge him in your life. And unshackle yourself from tradition. If you set up a lot of little things you have to do to be saved, and they're not even written in the Word of God, just cast aside those things. You are converted to a person. To the Christ who is the King. The Christ who gives strength. The Christ who gives wisdom. The Christ who gives power for the battle. 
that wants to mold us. The opposition wants to mold us into their mold. Do you believe? Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe He's present? Do you believe that He's in you? Have you been baptized into Him? Then, then just keep believing in Him. If you haven't, don't go away without Him. He's here for you. He'll help you. He said the last things he ever said before he left to go back to heaven. Now, he, he saw John later, about 60 years later. But when he ascended, he said, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of time. And you're going to share this great message with every creature. What must I do to be saved? Why, at that time, he said, according to Mark, he said, he that believes is baptized, should be saved. Isn't that simple? People just complicate salvation. I, I don't know whether I want to believe this or not. I don't know. Uh, it's got conflicts in it. It's got contradictions in it. And if you want to listen to man, you need to be saved from that kind of thinking. That doubt. That rebellion. Why, God has written the Bible that if a person is honest and open, he just needs to believe that he created all things, that he gave the message of Christ from the beginning of the Garden of Eden when he said the seed of woman would bruise old Satan's head. Believe it all the way through. It's like a silver thread all the way through every book. And ends up in Revelation. And he said, I was dead. I'm alive. more." Here's the battle, the book of Revelation is a battle between him and Satan, and he's won. He's the winner. Believe in him. It's happened. You don't have to worry. Come to him as we stand together and say.